Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton. I'm in kind of a pensive mood after that episode of Andor. Wow. I loved it. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that um, today. It might sound a bit more echoey in here than usual because um, actually, as I've mentioned, I'm moving uh, back to Australia in two weeks now. Not, not long to go, and um, today the removalists came to pick up everything that I'm shipping, and so now I'm sitting in a very empty apartment with no artwork on the walls, so it's all a bit echoey in here. Um, yeah, and that's kind of, I don't know, like this, uh, the style of this episode of Andor kind of fits in with this kind of um, packing up and uh, getting ready for the next adventure or in their case mission it's all lining up nicely yeah um it was a great episode i let me say um straight out the gate um a spoilers if you haven't seen it and don't want to know what happens then um save this episode till after you do uh or after you have um and the other thing is, this is going to be kind of a short one uh, because, uh, yeah, I'm in the process of moving to another country. So uh, things, A, are a bit tight time-wise, but also um, I've packed a lot of the the gear. So we're down to my uh, mobile set of uh, stuff. But yeah, here we go. Let's talk about it. Episode 5, the uh, title of the episode is The Axe Forgets. And I thought that was quite interesting. Like, um, it did. I didn't get any immediate ideas of, oh, that, that's going to mean this or this is going to happen or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, cool cool title. We, we'll get to what, what that means. Um, but yeah, my, I, my initial reaction to the episode was... Um, like I really liked it, but it did. I did feel like okay, this was the least eventful episode so so far. Um, so I, I guess I wasn't as like pumped as uh, afterwards as I was after the first three, and then that great episode four. Um, but I've just watched it for the second time, and it's like I don't know. I I actually. Um, could really savor all the uh, the details and the atmosphere and everything, and I uh, really loved it. Um, I th- this is the classic calm before the storm that we're seeing here, um, and uh, it was fantastic. This um, character Skeen, who is uh, kind of Cassian's main kind of antagonist throughout this episode. Great to see him really just um, get on, you know, really like kind of let loose a bit and uh, to like see what um, what he's uh, what he's about. I I did get the impression that he was a really like a strong actor, um, but uh, you didn't get to see that much of him. Um, but 
again, like I'm just floored by how good the performances are in this show. Like there's so much um, flavor and each character's, the flavor of each character is so distinct. And um, every piece of dialogue is so just tasty and nutritious. I love it. Um, so that um, sequence when um, Cassian wakes up and his gear's gone, he runs out to find that um, Skeen, who's uh, halfway through a bit of a bath, <laughs> has gone through it kind of as a way of um, trying to learn a bit more about this guy that they've now got with them on this um, on this mission. It's such a great scene, this stuff with the tattoos. I've Googled it and I've seen, I haven't seen any definite answers. I've seen um, speculation. Um, but uh, yeah, the two tattoos on Skeen, on Skeen one that um, Cassian calls a crate head tattoo. Now, my immediate reaction to that was like, oh, so this is maybe another word for bucket head. Like as in like maybe Skeen was... A stormtrooper. Um, crate as in, you know, like um yeah, like a like a a square container kind of crate, you know. But um on my second watch through I chucked on the the subtitles a bit and um no, that's crate dragon crate. So crate head. What's a crate head tattoo? Some people I've seen speculating that that is maybe some kind of uh prison. And so uh, this is a prison tattoo of some kind. Uh, the other tattoo that Cassian said was by the hand. Not sure what that could be. Again, is maybe some kind of gang thing. Don't know. But they both uh, seem to, you know, share this um, experience of being uh, imprisoned in some way. Um, Cassian talks about being imprisoned from the ages age of 13 to 16 in some kind of youth de detention center. So, very interesting. Uh, yeah, I loved that. Oh, we, <laughs> I mean, who would have thought we would go into this kind of territory in Star Wars, but Cyril Khan and his mum and Uncle Harlow. <laughs> Great. Again, like... Nothing really happened, but we are seeing where this guy comes from and why he is the way he is. I think it's very interesting that after that first three episodes, there were there was like a, a kind of um, section of fandom that seemed to have developed a bit of a thing for Cyril. And then there was another part of the um, fandom that was like, this is the worst guy ever and anyone who's kind of like, showing a soft spot for him, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Kind of like this, you know. Um, I always felt that he was a sympathetic character, that we were seeing a guy who was um, flawed and um, not, uh, you know, misguided, um, but not necessarily a terrible person. Um, just someone who took, takes the rules a bit too seriously. And now you see like where this is coming from. You know, he's grown up with this, this mother who has obviously put ex like terrible amounts of pressure on him throughout his life. 
Um, yeah, but great to see the blue milk back. I love the design of the kitchen and everything. That looks cool. Her performance, her, like she is amazing. Great. Again, like just like that's a character that is like just immediately like burned in my memory now. Like I'm never going to forget this woman. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, and you feel you do feel sorry for him. Um, I guess like my my one small like criticism of the episode is when you, when it, it cuts between Cyril and his mum and um, and the rebel cell that we're following, and it felt a little bit like you li- like Cyril's eating breakfast, obviously, and then. You spend like a, a couple of days with the, the rebels, and then when you cut back to Cyril, he's still eating the same cereal. And it, at first, I was like, the time, like obviously, like when you have like a plot, b plot, c plot, or whatever, like it, they don't all operate on the same time schedule necessarily. Um, and it felt a little bit like. We've seen like two days in these guys' life and this guy's still eating the same bowl of cereal. That's kind of weird. But actually, on second watch, I realized that this was a <laughs> um, different, same cereal, different day. Um, but yeah, maybe they could have switched up the food a bit to uh, help illustrate that a bit. But that was my the only like, the only thought I had for the whole episode that, you know, was something that could have been um, improved. But uh, no, it was awesome. That I mean, that shot of him, like the opening the episode, that shot of him just sitting forlornly in his room. Oh, and then you know, looking up, looking out the window, tears in his eyes, knowing that he has like screwed up to the to the degree that his entire organization has been shut down. Because of him and his mistakes. Uh, wow. Fantastic. Um, hang on. I'm just, I'm just going to double check. Because like, I thought like the mum has a different outfit in, outfits in the two sections. Which is why I assumed that, that these things were happening um, on two different days. But hang on. Let me f- flick along and take a look. Um, while I'm looking for that, uh, yeah, we get some more Mon Mothma stuff. Man, can she catch a break? Like, the husband's a dickhead, the daughter is a pain. Like, wow, it's it'll be interesting to see, like, um, what's it gonna look like when things kind of kick off. With Mon Mothma. Obviously, like, they're in the tension-building section of the show right now. Yeah, I think his mum, it is a different outfit. So, yeah, those are two different days. But, yeah. uh, So, I mean, it. uh, this is actually something that, like, I don't know if it was supposed to be released, but the fact that she has a daughter was already, you know, out in um, in the community. People were talking about that. Um, I love her daughter's hairdo, like super cool and very Star Wars. Um, yeah, super good. Um, oh, yeah, I just feel like 
Poor Mon Mothma, man. <laughs> no wonder she seems like a bit just battle scarred, psychologically speaking, in uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm. All right, we get a uh, oh, super nice um, scene between is it Kemic? Yeah. Anyway, the young the young guy talking uh, to Cassian about this um, vintage navigation equipment. I just like you can just put these like very small bits of detail in, and if you do it in a cool way, it's just fascinating. Like talking about the way that um, you know it's old, which makes it untraceable and un unjammable, and you know, Cassian says it's hard to learn how to use one, though. And he's like, "Yeah, but once you've done that, like, you've taken a step towards freedom because it's not, it's not imperial technology. It's not connected to the Empire in any way." Um, super cool. And this idea that this um, idealistic young guy is writing a manifesto, and he's like really pumped about getting um, Cassian to read it. Hmm. It's good. Really good. Um, uh, yeah, it's cool in this episode that we get to spend a bit more time with, I think it's Lieutenant or Lieutenant Dawn. Um, we get a bit of, um, yeah, backstory on him and Skeen about why they um, have become soldiers or fighters in the rebellion. Good stuff. I, it's really cool to see the imperial, the imperial stuff. Like um, the installation and the you know the people there and stuff. It's all very recognizably imperial. But I, I think that it has a little bit of a um, yeah, like a kind of outposty feel, which is what they you know one of the um, one of the imperial crew, whatever they they say like this is. Aldani is hardly like top of the list, you know, when uh, in, for uh, placement for imperial um, officers and troopers and stuff. Like, this is not somewhere that people are excited to be posted. So the fact that you know this kind of dam kind of wall thing doesn't look as like crisp and stuff is what you see on the Death Star and everything. Like, I think it, it really works. Like, I'm sure it was... Because I, I think that's a real location. So, um, that, that's the reason it looks the way it does. But um, it, like, works storytelling-wise as well. You get this cool moment where Lieutenant Dawn um, reprimands a couple of officers about not cleaning up this... Um, this sacred site that has been used by troopers or whatever for um, target practice. Um, that was cool. Um, cool to see the cleanup happening on Ferrix. Um, yeah, we don't often see like the, uh, you know, the aftermath of um, of violence in the in the Star Wars world. That's for sure. You get an Imperial officer. Uh, asking if he can be given the the um, the title of a prefect in the system. Nice to see this kind of like um, imperial ladder climbing again. I like that. Um, yeah, we get a, it's cool this cutting between the marching 
Um, them practicing marching and actual imp- imperial soldiers and officers marching. That's cool. Um, good to see that. Uh, that the barely disguised AK-47s. I'm I'm actually kind of um, I'm all right with them now. Like if I had never seen an AK-47 in my life and that was just a Star Wars blaster, I would think, yeah, that's an awesome piece of Star Wars design. Um, Obviously, the, the the only problem I ever had with it was with those is that they are very obviously, you know, something from our world. Um, but as a as a Star Wars blaster, like it really looks right. It's excellent. Um, we get this kick ass moment. It's like sometimes it, this is all it takes. But um, there's a TIE fighter on patrol and like they become aware of it before it gets too close and you just get this like tension field build up um, as the TIE fighter is getting closer and you just hear that whine, that howl getting louder. And then finally when it comes down the valley and screams past them, it just like you feel like the whole room is shaking. Like I'm jealous, I'm jealous of you suts with the clips, clips. How do you even pronounce it? The uh, sound bar and the sound, the the five point one sound, because that must have sound sounded sick. <laughs> uh, it sounded pretty sick on just my TV, you know. But um, I'm looking forward to rewatching this when I've got uh, a heavy duty sound system, because I I don't know if we've ever heard Tie Fighters sound better than this. It was. So good. And as it screams past, you see uh, Vel and um, Sinta, you know, with their hands over their ears because uh, this thing is so loud. Uh, it's great. Um, there's some just really good lines. Again, it's just the the dialogue, the writing is just top notch. Great. Uh, some great lines like, um, so when Deidre Miro is talk, talking about her um, suspicions that there's more to these um, kind of random equipment theft, equipment thefts than meets the eye, um, she says something like, that's how I'd do it if I was them. Never climb the same fence twice. It's just like really, like it's sharp. It just cuts. It's really good. Um, and there was a line from Kemi, Kemi, ah, I'm still getting a handle on all the names, um, where he says like, uh, a surprise from below is always more of a shock than a surprise from above, something like that. It's really good. Um, it's revealed that Sinta and Vel are, uh, an item and it's interesting that even after he after he kind of hears about this, Cassian still flirts with uh, Sinta, <laughs> which is in line with what we uh, um, found out about him in, in uh, sorry, having some mic issues here, in uh, earlier episodes where um, it was insinuated that he was a bit of a, a ladies' man or, yeah, a bit of a pain in the ass in that way. Um, yeah. So, um, but I, I felt a bit disappointed in him. I was like, dude, <laughs> you're on thin ice with these people already. 
Do not flirt with this uh, woman's girlfriend. Just leave it alone, buddy. Um, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I mentioned uh, Deidre Miro, you know, talking through her suspicions that there's more, more than meets the eye with these uh, equipment thefts. Her assistant. Uh, I've seen other people comment on this, but man, would he make a great young Tarkin. Obviously, they can't do that now because he's played this role, but he really, like if they wanted to do something with a young Tarkin, he would have been a perfect choice. And he's a great performer, like great actor. Um, and it's really interesting. Like they, to me, they're, there's a kind of, uh, there's good chemistry between them. Like they seem to genuinely kind of like and respect each other. It's like, I'm not one of these people who say like, oh, there's good on both sides and it's good to show like that side of the empire or something. The empire of the bad guys. That's it for me, you know? Um, but I can't not enjoy it when it's done so well. Um, yep. Uh, I wonder if we'll get to meet Uncle Harlow. Does Uncle Harlow really exist? Is Uncle Harlow an Imperial officer, perhaps? Is that how the introduction happens between um, Cyril and um, Dedra, uh, maybe? Hmm. Again, um, all-star performance from the Scottish Highlands as Aldani looks amazing. Um, yeah, again, like a kind of humanizing of the Empire where the, those two officers are like, can we get as many people off tomorrow to watch this amazing um, celestial uh, event that's going to happen? Um, is it good to show that side of the Empire? I don't know, but it works. Um, yeah, that's it really. Like... Uh, Man, Mon Mothma's car was very shiny. I like that. Um, I did feel a little bit like the like kind of illustrating that her husband is kind of shallow and um, not at all on the same wavelength as her. It, it it's a little bit um, obvious sometimes. Um, where he, he's like, "Well, I didn't hear about this thing," and she's like, "I didn't think you'd be interested." He's like, "Why?" I was like. Because it's charitable, you know. It's I, I don't know. It's I felt like they could have just done it a little bit less, obviously, but um, still cool. Um, yeah. Towards the end, we get Skeen talking about what happened to his brother. Great line where he's like, uh, "I used to hate the, uh, or I always hated the Empire. I don't know what to call how I feel now. Just that kind of." total just yawning void of anger that's there in him it's great and we finish out the episode with a cool little scene with uh, Luthen and uh, Clea it's cute kind of like Luthen is like the concerned dad you know um, he uh, hasn't heard from the team but the team like is not in a, in a position to contact him but he knows it's going to go down. So it, it, the the episode finishes um, in a really cool way. Where I think Clea says, by this time tomorrow, it'll all be over. 
And he says, or it will have just begun, which was very good, like that. Um, and he looks genuinely tired and worried. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this was a great episode, very much, as I said, calm before the storm. I think that the time they're, that they're putting into letting us learn about these characters and get to know these characters is really going to pay off. Also, like, it really, um, I think how nervy they are and how careful they are really kind of shows that, like, how dangerous what they're about to do is. Like, if you compare it to something, like if this was going to happen in... Um, the Mandalorian, for example, it would be literally all within the space of one episode. He would meet them, they would plan the thing, they would do the thing, and it would be over in one episode. Um, but we're getting a, a full three-episode arc to let the tension build. And it just, to me, it really... Yeah, it's. I think it really builds up a, just a... Um, what is it in recent interviews I heard Tony Gilroy say something like um what was the what was it was a good like line like um you can't you can't take money out of the bank if you haven't been saving it or something you know basically saying like you got to you got to put the dollars in the bank of these characters before, you know, because otherwise people are not going to care about them. And, um, yeah, doing a great job. Um, if you're interested, Tony Gilroy, the showrunner, he actually did an interview recently with a, a podcast called Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith talking about the show and talking about Rogue One. Um yeah, it's some interesting stuff in there, man. I really think we do not know the half of what happened on Rogue One with all the um, with the director switch and everything. Um, it was insinuated that because he gets a, a writing credit and in order to get a writing credit, you have to have written at least like 33% of the movie. And when you think about the fact that he was brought in quite late, um, yeah. I would love to hear the details one day. But as Tony Gilroy said in the interview, at the end of the day, it's a great movie. So maybe it's best that people don't know. <laughs> you don't want to know how the sausage get ma gets made, right? Hmm. All right, folks. Um, I think because of my equipment shortage, uh, we're not going to have any uh, what name that tune or name that uh, sound, uh, sound, song or whatever. So... Guess what? It's time to watch a bit of The Last Jedi. All right. To um, get you up to date with where we are in The Last Jedi, we've just had the throne room fight. Ray has said, all right, here's our chance. We can save the resistance. And Kylo says, no. I was not doing it for... I wasn't doing it for that. Um, I want you to come with me. And um, yeah. 
the hand. Gah! I love this. Listen to this. Oh, like just that. I mean, he's so tough and everything. He's trying to sell her on something, you know, an idea here. He sounds very confident. But then once the hand is out, he says, join me. The tension builds. And then please, like, oh. Right on. All right, here we go. Controversial moment. I'm a big supporter. Get ready for the holder maneuver, people. Look at Adrian Edmondson. Look at this. Look at Visually, this movie just kicks ass. Look at it. Adrian Edmondson knows what's going on. He, he can smell something's up. Okay, we're back in the throne room. Ray's right. She's putting her hand up. Is she going to take Kylo's hand? What's going to happen? Oh my God. Bam. She like goes for the Skywalker saber. Because... She's not joining this guy if that's what the way he's going. He won't let it go. I mean, this is fucking masterful, man. Ah. Oh. Hmm, Captain Phasma. Seriously, I think like people talk about her being a wasted character, but I'm like, if it wasn't Gwendolyn Christie playing her, like you'd just be like, oh, silver commander trooper. That's fine, you know. But she looks cool and she's played by Gwendolyn Christie, so everyone thinks she has to be this big character. Here we go. Okay, all hope is lost. The resistance, the remainder of the resistance getting blasted out the sky. Admiral Holdo says, not if I've got anything to say about it. She aims that final resistance cruiser. At um, Snoke's flagship. And it, it's all building to this moment. You see the, the saber. Oh, look at all these three threads all coming like together at the same moment. Watch. Silence. I mean, this was a cinema moment. This is what I'm talking about. Like, there are some parts of the movie I don't love that much, but that was a just spectacular moment for this. Like, it was so good. Yeah, yes, there's the thing like, well, if you can just like hyperspace ram stuff, like, why aren't they doing that all the time? Why don't they just hyperspace ram the Death Star, you know? You know people are going to die. Just get someone to volunteer. Um, or, I mean, you can't you autopilot it? You know? Um, yep. Okay. That's... Oh, that's a cool shot. Where you've got all this smoke and you see, like, Phasma and the troopers approaching and you see their, like, the shadow in the smoke coming first. This is like... I mean, Ryan Johnson's um, an amazing director. It always, like, just blows me away. I mean, look at this stuff. Visually, it's bonkers. Is it kind of stupid that BB-8's in a ATSD? <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love how the the, um, the top of that ATSD, like breaking off and swinging back, just knocks that 
trooper flying. It's super good. Oh, I love the sound design there where that blaster, she shoots at Phasma, it just bounces straight off the armor. That's some proper armor. It's actually doing something. That's great. Finn's having a go. Obviously, we've all, well, all the nerds out there have seen the um, alternate version of this this altercation. Uh, I think they're both cool. They've both got something to um, recommend them. I don't know about that Finn line, let's go Chrome Dome. Sounds a bit Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to me. But it's a... Oh, that's a cheesy sounding blaster, but it's like... Kind of cool in a way. There we go. Finn laying it down with Captain Phasma. That eye, I mean, that's actually quite chilling to see her eye poke, like, through that crack in the... It's a bit self-referential, that line, that rebel scum line, but ah. And boom, goodbye, Captain Phasma. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, like... There's stuff about this this bit with um, Rose and Finn that I've sometimes been not super pumped about. But it's got a, like, fun adventure. Oh, that shot, though, of the ship, like, blasting out of the burning hull of this, uh, of Snoke's ship is amazing. That shot of Snoke's face. In case you're... The, the rest... Oh, the rest of his body just flops on the ground. It's awesome. This is great. Look... Hux is like, I'm going to shoot Kylo Ren and end this. But Kylo Ren wakes up in time. What happened? I love... Oh, look at this. I just want to see all three of the, the sequel trilogy movies on the big screen again. Wow. Who do you think you're talking to? Our Supreme Leader is dead. I'll say it again. I like pathetic hucks better than super Nazi hucks. Yes. Great. Okay. I think we're going to stop there because we're about to uh, launch into crate... Oh, you can't see, but right now I'm looking at this iconic shot of General Leia Organa silhouetted against the uh, the salty whiteness of crate and that huge door. Um, yeah. It's a great shot. And this outfit of Layers is one of my favorites. It's super good. That's going to be fun to talk about. Crate is going to be fun to talk about because there's lots of great stuff there. All right, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying Andor. I sure am. It's it's one of those things like with the, the you know, the five new films we've had um, since Disney took over. And, you know, I loved all of them. And... I always had this amazing feeling of like, you know, because 
growing up with the original trilogy and thinking I'm never there's of course that's it that's Star Wars you know then the prequels came and it was just like I just didn't like them and just having that feeling like there's never going to be anything again that is like real like Star Wars that I can really get my teeth into and really fall in love with um and when those um when I would be seeing those movies I just felt like so happy to be like as you know, at the end of the film, I was like, I'm gonna that's new Star Wars that I can watch for the rest of my life that I love, and um, Andor's straight into that category for me. Um, and we've still got seven episodes left in this season. Oof. Man, I'm gonna be a bit upset about not being able to watch it on a, a big TV during the moving process. I gotta get myself a TV as fast as possible once I'm in the go- on the Gold Coast. <laughs> really this is serious business all right but everybody um uh, lots of love and uh we'll catch you next week uh my name is tom sutton and this is star wars fun for everyone especially me 